Welcome to the supply and demand portion of microeconomics. This is Dr. Terry Elin coming to you from home to wherever you are. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the economic ride. So many of you who have already done some economics to a certain extent have probably heard of supply and demand. It's a very common subject that if ever someone says, uh, oh, you're taking economics, uh, supply and demand is one of the first subjects that will come to mind. So it's something you may have seen before, but we just want to make sure it's super clear because it's the baseline for a lot of things that are covered in this class. So first and foremost, there's a few things that we have to understand in this segment. We have to understand that we're dealing with a lot of buyers and sellers. So later on in this class, we're going to be talking about monopoly where there is only one seller. And we'll be looking at different types of market competitions, which can have a limited amount of sellers. But in this supply and demand building, we're kind of assuming for now, a theoretical benchmark, more of a perfect competition where we have an infinite amount of buyers and sellers. And what will that enable us to do is uh, to aggregate all those buyers and sellers together to create the supply and demand curves. What we're learning here will still apply to the other market structures. There might be some small changes, but overall uh, what you're learning here is the simple framework where you have a market where buyers and sellers meet, buyers demand a good, and sellers supply a good. And keep in mind that it is possible for you to be the supplier of a good. Later on, when we'll talk about minimum wages, well, when you supply work, you're the one who's supplying a service, a certain level of effort, and the companies who hire you actually demand the product, which is your labor, your time, so that in that situation, it feels like it's flipped, but it's not. It's just always putting things into perspective. So what does the demand curve state? The demand curve states that as the price of a good, the quantity demanded of that good falls. The law of demand kind of says that there's this inverse relationship between price and quantity demanded. If price goes down, quantity demanded goes up, and the opposite is true. So here, what we have to understand when we're creating this demand curve, demand schedule, and everything else, the most basic thing that you have to understand is that this is a basic representation. What I mean here is that there's a lot of things that are treated as constant. So you might think of an example in life where the price of a certain good has gone up and people demand more of it. And there are some examples where that may apply and some people say that the demand curve or the law of demand does not always uh, work. But in reality, if you treat everything else as constant, it typically works. In those instances, what you'll often see is that a good has become more rare, and at the same time, the price has gone up and more people demand for it. While it's not true that it's because the price went up that people demand more of it, it's because it's become more rare, the price went up, and people demand more of it because it's more rare and people want to get their hands on it. So we have to keep in mind in this scenario that we're always looking at the representation, the, the relationship between two things, and everything else is held as constant. So 
If there is one thing you could remember from this audio lecture and going forward that will help you a lot in these principles of economics classes is the idea that when you see a graph, a graph is always a two-dimensional representation of reality. And what that implies is that you're showing the relationship between one factor to something else. So here we could look at the relationship of price on the quantity of units demanded. But we're taking all the other factors as constant. If they weren't constant, then we would have a three-dimensional graph. If we had three factors, we would have like something that wouldn't be able to be graphed if we were to look at uh, the influence of many things all at once. So in more advanced economics classes, you will see equations to represent reality, to represent the quantity demanded of a good. But in a two-dimensional graph form, there's only one thing that's changing. And this is going to be important to remember when we have the discussion of changes in the demand curve versus changes in quantity demanded. So demand could either be represented as a demand schedule, which is a table or a demand curve. And the whole idea behind setting things up as a demand curve is a whole uh, concept that a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, if you were to set up a table that has like every single price you can charge, you're debating between charging between five and $15 for a product and you're looking at every cent or every five cent increment, what would be the quantity demanded of that product? Well, it would be a very long Excel file or table that you would have to look at to determine the relationship between the two. But if you input all of those values in a graphical form that you have your price on the vertical axis and your quantity on the horizontal axis, then you could see that relationship quickly. You could see if the demand curve is steep, it's flat, and we'll see what that refers to in the elasticity chapter, whether people respond little or a lot to a change in price in terms of their quantity demanded. So the demand curve is superior in quickness to the demand schedule, but that information has to come from somewhere. So typically you would ask yourself, what would be the quantity demanded at this specific price? And in reality, we're looking at market demand, which is not just the demand for Joe for this product, but it's Joe and everyone else who's interested in buying this product. So once we set up that relationship, we know that if nothing else changes, if the price changes, we're going to have a drop in quantity demanded. If you look at the demand curve that you've drawn, which is a downward sloping demand curve drawn in your mind, well, if you have an increase in price, well, that point where you intersect with the demand curve will lead to a smaller quantity. And that's what the law of demand tells you. And the idea here is you have that relationship between the two. So every time you'll see in the notes and the videos and everything else, you'll see a change in the price of the product that you're looking at, that you have under investigation in this demand curve changes, there is no reason for the demand curve to move. And the simple for reason for that is that 
you're already showing the relationship between price and quantity along this demand curve. So if the price changes, just move along that same demand curve, which will be referred to as a change in quantity demanded on that same demand curve. Whereas if something else changes, then this demand curve will move entirely and that will be known as a change in demand. So if you take a second and you reflect, you could even pause this audio and ask yourself, well, what other factors could influence the quantity of a product that I might desire? And here, just to keep things simple, just ask yourself, well, different products that you're looking at buying, think about the prices that the, are currently in the market, and then ask yourself, well, how would it be possible for me or someone else to want to buy more or less of this product if prices didn't change? And if you'd want to buy more or less of this product at the same price, well, that means that the demand curve is either moving to the right if you want to buy more or moving to the left if you want to buy less. So let's say you're eyeing uh, a new cell phone and you're asking yourself, well, what impact could it, can we lead to uh, an increase in consumption there? Well, we know a drop in price will lead to an increase in quantity demanded, but let's look at other things. So what are those things? Well, if all of a sudden you received a lot of money from a contract or from a, a relative or from whatever, an increase in your income will lead to you having more money, will increase your desire to buy products that you found too expensive prior. So changes in income typically lead to an increase in what we call normal goods. As your income increases, you like to consume more of the goods that you like. So it could be going to the restaurant, it could be uh, fancy bottles of whatever, it could be uh, just about anything that you like, traveling, uh, sports equipment, all of those things can increase. But there's also goods that as your income goes up, you might consume less of. You might let consume less uh, tuna cans and other things like that because you'll suddenly switch to more favorable products to feed yourself. Uh, so the goods that are seen as inferior, bus rides and everything else may reduce their consumption level. What other factors can influence or change the quantity that you, the, the, your, your relationship with uh, the amount of goods that you want to buy for a specific price? Well, if you think about it, what else can kind of create some attractiveness towards a product? Well, there's a whole branch in business called marketing, which often works at promoting a product and trying to make it more appealing. So even if the product hasn't changed in quality, if it becomes suddenly more appealing, you might be able to drive up sales for the same price as before. So creating more taste or more preference towards a product will lead to demand curve shifting right. And if you think about news saying that this product causes cancer or something along those lines, well, you could quickly see that even though the price hasn't changed, there's going to be a drop in demand. The demand curve is going to shift left uh, as soon as that happens. And if you're still not understanding why the demand curve shifts left or right, well, as soon as you create a new relationship between price and a different quantity, which is superior or inferior to before, well, that means that the, as soon as you have one point to the right or one point to the left, 
we could assume that same idea that as price rises, you'll have smaller quantity demanded. So all of those points will be to the left of the previous demand curve, or in the case of an increase, all the points will be to the right of the previous demand curve. What other things can change your impact on uh, your desire for a certain product? Well, if you're eyeing this new car or truck or whatever, and there's a competing good that comes out and suddenly that competing good is coming out cheaper than expected. Uh, well, if a substitute good is going down in price, it's going to lead to you wanting more of that substitute good. It's going to lead to a drop in your own demand. Uh, but if it's a complement good, if you're eyeing a, an electric car and now the price of electricity goes up dramatically, well, then that's going to have a negative impact on your desire for that product. Uh, there's also population and consumer expectations, but those are the main kind of points. The supply curve is also the same kind of idea there. You have this relationship between the price and the quantity supplied. And if you think about supplying a certain product, selling a certain product, you produce something, you might be willing to supply a few units at a low price, but you're not going to start working 80 hours a week to producing something that doesn't generate that much rent revenue to you but if someone decides to say well i'm willing to pay you a lot more for this product you might work more and more hours and uh, there's a lot of ways of understanding why the supply curves upward sloping but that's the main kind of idea there so there's this relationship between price and quantity supplied which is represented by the supply curve once again that supply curve takes everything else as treated as constant it's a one-to-one -one relationship in a two-dimensional graph. So there's other things that may change this relationship. There's certain things I might say that if you were to charge the same price as before, you're now willing to supply a greater quantity uh, than before or a lesser quantity than before, and that would be shifting the demand curve. So again, changes in quantity supplied are seen as when the price goes up, your quantity supply changes and if some external factor changes and your supply curves moves that's a change in the supply well what are the things that could change your desire to supply at a certain price you might be willing to supply a greater quantity a smaller quantity or the other way i like to see it for the supply curve is if i look at an intersection point on the supply curve i have a price and i have a quantity well, if you wanted me to keep on supplying that quantity, will I now require a higher price or lower price than before? Well, we know through COVID that uh, price of wood products has gone up. So if you're, one of your inputs to production is a wood product, let's say you build houses, well, obviously, if you want me to supply the same quantity of houses, I will now ask a higher price from you because uh, those input costs have gone up. Therefore, if I look, there's a new dot created above the old supply curve, which is to the left of the supply curve. So therefore, this supply curve would shift up or left, meaning the same thing due to an increase in input prices. If on the other hand, input prices would have gone down, the opposite could have happened. If everything becomes cheaper to produce, well, then I could supply it at a lower price. And that's where technology also falls in. If technology improves and I could produce things more cheaply, well, that means that to produce the same quantity as before, I'm willing to supply it at a lower price. 
So now that we've established how supply and demand curves are created, we could talk about market equilibriums. And we know that there is a market equilibrium where quantity demanded is equal to quantity supplied. The reason for that being is if you look at a non-equilibrium price, you will notice that things will not stay there for too long. One reason being that either leads to a shortage or leads to a surplus, but either way, it's gonna be a situation where uh, things will move towards the equilibrium price and then the equilibrium quantity, which is what we called market clearing, will end up being the outcome. If you think about it, think about any good out there that's selling at a current price and imagine that price has an equivalent amount of buyers and sellers. Well, if all of a sudden the price were to be lower than that, there would be a lot more buyers and sellers, which is great for the sellers. They're all selling their products and the buyers are happy. They're buying a ton of products, but there's a lot of buyers that aren't able to get the product. Therefore, the sellers could easily increase the price and sell more units. And above from selling more units, they could also make more profits on all of those units. So it doesn't make sense for them to sell something overly cheap because they're lost profit. And on the other hand, if they initially price things too expensive, well, that will uh, lead to a situation where there's a lot of sellers wanting to sell at that price, few buyers willing to buy at that price, which means that there's going to be a surplus, meaning that inventories will start accumulating in those factories, and therefore they're going to have to liquidate uh, those inventories. And the only way they can do that is by lowering the price, which will drive up the quantity demanded and is going to go back towards a market clearing price. So in the next segment, when we talk about changes in equilibrium, we're always going from one equilibrium state to another equilibrium state. What we mean here is this idea that uh, an equilibrium state is a, a place where nothing moves anymore. We're kind of steady there, but it could take time before we reach that outcome. So let's just kind of go through one and you'll understand what I mean by that. So to go through this process of changes in equilibrium, there is a three-step process that should be followed to be successful. And the reason I suggest this is because if you try to go too fast, uh, you're bound to make mistakes. I've seen many mistakes happen over the years in this. So when you hear of a news event that's going to change your market equilibrium, you want to ask yourself, well, this news events have an impact on supply or demand or potentially both. Once you've established that's going to have an impact on supply or demand for like specific reasons. So let's say here I say, well, this is a change in income of the population due to a recession. There's a drop in income. That is the news event. There's nothing that had an impact. I, I didn't hear anything about input costs or technology. If there is, so be it. But if it's not mentioned and it's not there and it's just a drop in income, we know that's only going to impact demand. So afterwards, we don't want to have the supply curve shifting for no reason. Determine the direction of the shift. Well, if there's a drop in income, if this is a normal good, the demand curve will shift left. If it's an inferior good, the demand curve will shift right. And then draw it out and then determine what happens to price and quantity. Label your initial equilibrium as, let's say, point A, and then make the shifts happen maybe in one curve, maybe in both curves, and then use the new supply and demand curves. One of the, uh, them could be the same as the old one. 
and then determine that as point B, let's say. And from there, you could say, well, my price has gone up and my quantity demand has also gone up, which would be the case if the demand curve has shifted right. So the idea here when we think about this is one equilibrium point to the next. So let's think about it for a second. If we think about different products that were kind of like heavily prized during the pandemic, well, you had a bunch of people wanting to do things themselves. So a lot of people started building bigger decks or wanting to buy, I don't know, used ATVs or other things like that. Well, you had an initial segment and initial supply and demand before the pandemic. And all of a sudden you have an increase in demand for do-it-yourselfers or people hiring people out to um, create larger decks or better living environments since they couldn't travel as much during the pandemic. And all of a sudden, there's a lot of demand for cedar and uh, treated wood, which happened. So what you would expect in the short run is this big surge in demand versus quantity uh, supplied will lead to a situation where for the, the price that we are facing now, the demand curve is going to shift, right? We're going to have more units purchased than supplied at that quantity. So we're going to start having a shortage. And this is something that we observed that the, it was really hard to find some of the products. And as with that surge happens in that kind of situation where there's no products available anymore, it puts an upward, uh, uh, upward pressure on the price. And in the end, what we noticed that there, there was more cedar sold and a higher price than before. So this is the kind of impact that can happen. So once again, the long run effect is an increase in price and quantity. The short run effect is a, a shortage, which leads to an upward pressure on the price, which leads to a new equilibrium. So here, typically in these, we're kind of looking at from our initial point to the point we're going to reach eventually. Obviously, there is a little process to that, and this is what I just described, but overall, this is what you should expect. There's a series of examples in the notes. I suggest you guys to just look at the example and don't look at what's written below it and try to figure out whether this will lead to a shift in the demand curve, shift in the supply curve, which direction, and see if what you're saying makes sense. So give that a practice. Once again, if you don't practice, you'll often make mistakes. And the usual mistake that I see people do is they'll say, well, price is going to increase, therefore the suppliers are going to sell more. And then that's, they'll have the supply curve shift, right? And, and, and then in the end, they'll say, oh, well, price decreased. Well, if you're thinking that price increases, which leads to sellers selling more, I agree. If you look at this law of supply, as the price goes up, the quantity supplied also goes up. However, the supply curve will only shift, right, if there's a drop in input costs or an increase in technology. So to have the supply curve shift, right, because you expect the price of a certain product to go up, as in my previous example with Cedar, you will have an error in the end. So always just try to think about it, shift in demand or shift in supply based on the main reasons for shift in demand, based on the main reasons for shift in supply, and then work it out from there. I hope you enjoyed this audio lecture. I'll see you soon.